0: I think this is the first time we're doing Lagoboma, actually. I think it sort of slipped in on the schedule. Um, Lagoboma is really very an extraordinary Yontov, I guess if you can call it that, in the sense that there's all, there are not many sources for it um, at all. Its popularity, I guess, is in totally inverse proportion to the amount of halachic um, roots that it has. Um, the Shacharach brings it as sort of, it uh, doesn't have a source in the Gemara. Shacharach brings it as being a, a day when we don't fast. Um, we have, somebody Shonen mentioned, they have a Masaurus, that that's when the Talmudim stopped dying. The, um, the uh, in sort of, there is, there is a passage somewhere in the Arizal that it's the day Shemes. Uh, Reb Shimon, it's actually Beyom Simchosi, not Bioim Sasi. It, it really, really in terms of its origins, it's hard to put to really, really put a finger on it. Um, but the content that it deals with is something that we definitely have we know it exists. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it because even though the topic itself of what we call Taurus Hanister is not something we, are, we would study or we would really be expected to be familiar with. But the truth is there is a depth about it that's important to understand and to understand what the role of Kabbalah is in Jewish Torah and Torah. The mistake is sort of that there is a hidden book someplace. It has secret formulas that... If you know the right formulas, you can do whatever you want to do, kind of make all sorts of genies appear and disappear, and so on. Um, I, I, it's hard to say it's not true, because, you know, any idea, but I certainly think it has nothing to do with Torah that. It's definitely not something that is anywhere part of the mainstream of Kabbalah. It's not meant to be. Even the stuff that gets peddled around and popularized, um, is really, really obviously not. I guess its relations to real Kabbalah is, as science fiction is the science, so is the stuff that you see marketed to the real thing. um, And therefore, it it doesn't make any sense if somebody would, would give a popular course on... On, on some difficult parts of number theory, of uh, relativity, and anybody can understand it without a background. If you would really ask yourself, um, how is that possible? You know, and if it is possible, then it's not much of a chachma. One would expect that a chachma that people should value would require a long, uh, a long train of. Um, of, of introduction, of uh, pre knowledge, you know, getting a doctorate in a month is not really worth much, whatever it is. So I would just caution anything that can be that can be um, taught to someone who has limited background in Torah and maybe even limited background in Hebrew. A, it's, it 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 defies reason that that could be genuine. And if it is genuine, then what is it worth? Um, so, we're not going to discuss Kabbalah. Not, I can I'm not the business to discuss it. Maybe there's somebody in the audience here who is uh, a big Talmud Chacham. But we want to talk about the role. What is that Chelik of Torah, and and, and 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 really understand a certain depth of what Torah is in a in, in a certain aspect of it. Let's first start. The main part of what we're going to speak is taken out of a Sefer called Afikemaim. Afikimayim is a rebbe of mine. His name is Meir Shapiro. Some of you might have heard of him. He's a tremendously big Talmud chacham, tremendously deep person. Very, very noted for a lot of his depth and his and his shiurim. They've recently put out a few svarim. called Afikimayim. They're not easy going. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's it's expected that you know quite a bit when you learn it. It's not all that user friendly. To, I took out a piece, and I'm going to try to pick out the pieces that I think would give us a picture of something new about Torah. First, let's start with a Mishnah. And uh, on the bottom, I pasted it on. This was not the original. Obviously, it's crude enough that you can tell it, it has no... Uh... It's a Mishnah in Chagiga, And this is our source for knowing that there's another part of Torah that's not public. So the Mishnah, it's a Mishnah beginning of the second parak in Chagigah. in <inaudible> shen barayis Any type of halachis that deal with um, issues of marriage should not be taught to three or more Talmidim. The reason is rather practical. These are very difficult laws. They're complicated. The effect of past and wrong can be devastating. You're talking about Gittin and Kedushin. And I guess in the old days as today, if you have three students you might be answering the question of one of them, and two of them might be schmoozing, and then they would miss out. I guess this was pretexting, so at least one student you could actually talk to and know that they have his attention. Today, I don't know, maybe they, there would be some stricter laws about it. But in those days, if you had two students and you were talking to one, the other one couldn't schmooze with anybody, so he was listening. But to have more than three students, it's not advisable because if he misses, it's one, you know, if, if you chaseshal and marshal somebody in tref, it's you marshal once if you if you marshal somebody in a get then it's it's generations of tragedy and therefore you shouldn't do it the low you cannot teach masa bracious masa gracious is something that we don't know exactly what it refers to will 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 stay a guess it means the first part of gracious which which is obviously esoteric we don't begin to understand the creation of the world um, and therefore two students is not good because you, you can't communicate properly finally now Merkava we know what that is, Merkava is the first chapter in Yecheskel which is a description of the angels um, and, Hash- and the Kisei and how Hashem rides atop of the angel Kisei you can't even teach it to one student, so what do you do? Im imkein hayacham. He has to be smart enough to be able to get it himself. Rashi says over there, the Mara says, you give him over just the outline, and the rest of it he needs to pick up on his own. Now, if this is something that is a specific discipline, specific massive information, in other words, there's a Zohar, there's a Arizal, there's this to teach the person, so, so why either the person is worth of being taught, or is not worth of being taught. What's the point of teaching um, this person, uh, one, uh, not even teaching that one person? So what are we doing? Playing a game over here? This will also give us a window understanding this. And the whole concept of Torah Sot, um, somebody once phrased it. If you know it, it's not a secret. And if you don't know it, whatever you don't know is a secret. There was a, one of the Rebbe's, the Ratzina Rebbe, the one who famous Al-Khailas, was a phenomenal genius. He was brilliant. He also was terribly, terribly blunt and didn't suffer fools easily or, or people pretended. So somebody once came to him, and I guess in, his, in the Ratzina's eyes, this person was a big show. And I put on, and he tells him, Rebbe, you know, I wanted to come learn a little bit some of the deep secrets of Torah. And he looked at him, sized up the situation, and he said, Yes, um, I think for you, beginner Gemara would possibly be one of the great secrets of Torah, he said. <laughs> um, for those of you who are familiar, he said, Elo with Rashi might actually be Sisra Torah for you. That was the way in which he said it. So a secret is a secret if you don't know it, and if you know it, it's not a secret. So why is this part of Torah called Sot? And, and what is so secret about it? And like we said before, you, believe me, I, I'm, I mean, may, maybe at some point you could create a golem, but that's not, that's not the point of it. So, so what's the secretiveness of it? That's really the point that we're trying to fish out. I want to start with a piece, with a, with a small piece at the end over here, where um, it's all the way to the last page. I um, don't think that's a secret code or anything. I, I'm just trying to get to pieces. When we talk about the person who gave us over, who opened up the gateways of this part, of a certain part of Torah, we speak of Shimba Be'ehoi and the Zohar. Um, what's clear, the Zohar, the Zohar that we have today in front of us, the farm that they sell, is a blend of a, a lot of different things. We don't know exactly its original publication, um, but the core teachings of this Chaylak the Torah belong to Hashem and Be'yechai. Now, take a look at the piece, it's on page Reish Base, um, you know, on the right hand column on the, the last page. I want to read a Gemara, which is an introduction to the point that we're going to do. It's a Gemara in Gitness, the second paragraph. Dehine Isa Bigemara Omar Repshimon Talmudov. Repshimon Barikoi told us Talmidim Bonai, my children, Shnumi Dosai, I want you should learn my teachings. The word midos in this in this sense means kind of a um, you know my presentation, my um, my perspective in Torah. Shemidosai Trumos Mithrumos Midasrah Akiva. Rebschimon said what I have to offer in terms of teaching is the essence of the essence of Reb Kiva 's teaching. In other words, Reb Shemim says, my Rebbe and my teacher is Reb And basically, I'm just a refined version of Reb Torah. So, in order to understand the point, the essence of his Torah, we're going to take a look at Rav Akiva's Torah, and that's going to be the point of this. Okay, let's go back to the first page. It's on the left-hand column, Kuf Tzarek on the left-hand column, where I start the, with a with line over there. Venir he's, Bibir Inyan. He started with a different piece. I, this piece is, is, is where we should start from. Dehine is a big There's a gemara in that is an extraordinary Gemara about Moshe Abenu when he received the Torah it says when Moshe Abenu went up to Shemayim HaKadosh Baruch Hu was sitting and tying crowns to the letters of the Torah Who is this for? Like, what are these little crowns about? Like, who's going to use them? And those crowns seem to refer to those little tagim that we see on Torah, on different letters, have these little things on top. Amalei Sarkhan Shpach replied, Adam there is a person, She'osid Leos besov kamadoros. He's going to be many generations down. V'akiva ben Yosef Shmo, and his name is Akiva Yosef. She'osid call Every little line on those letters, he's going to expound on it and find some sort of chiddush in that in So said, that. Um, I show him to me. I'd like to see that the person who could find meaning in what seems to be these little meaning meaningless lines on top of it. Omeloi Tom Chazor Lacherecha looked back, it says, he, he, he doesn't finish the Gemariah, but it says he looked back and he couldn't understand what Rabakiva Kiva was talking He was overwhelmed by Rabakiva, Kiva. So he told him, he came to Akash Prochus, so Moshe returned to Akash Prochus and said, You have a person like that and I'm the one who's giving Torah? Why don't you pluck out Rabbi Kiva and bring him, and he should give the Torah? I mean, I'm unworthy. So he said, Amolah, Karish told him, "Stoke, keep quiet. This is what I had in mind originally. Very, I mean, what does it mean? Amolah, so now i a Kiva, and my Shabbainah He said, You showed me the Torah of this man. I'd like to see what this person's reward looks like. Turn around. He turned around. Kiva died a horrendous death. Um, very famous through, through the Romans. They ripped his skin to pieces. They, they combed it off. It, it was a terribly, terribly disgraceful death. He was one of the 10 famous 10 martyrs that we speak that we say Kinnis and, on And on Yom Kippur there is, right after Voda, there is a Slicha on it. And he was one of those possibly most famous of them, and he saw him in death, horrible death, horribly disgraced. Amol So Moshe said, This is Torah, and this is the schar for that Torah. Amol, he told him, "Stoke, keep quiet." Very, very, very powerful gemara. V'hinei mevuah be-gemurah, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu heishab le-Moshe shtok beis pami. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe twice, shtok. Chada al-yos Moshe, Moshe HaTor v'Rekiva. One, on the fact that Moshe is the one to give over to her, not her v'Rekiva. V'gam al-histalkus ha-achzor shev'Rekiva. And also on the on the terrible death of Rebbe Kiva. V'oimek inye so, he would like to explain it. This is Rosh explaining. The Hinei Pashad, says, When we tell somebody, keep quiet. When we tell somebody, I mean, in the, literally the word shtok in it is, is in modern is, is the equivalent of a rude shut up in English. When you, if, if that's the sense of the word, like, why are you arguing with me? Who are you to argue with me? I, I mean, you don't get, you know, don't stick your nose in my business. HaKadosh Baruch Hu never would have showed it to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu asked for it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognized, I mean, seeing this would elicit that question. So you can't interpret it as a type of, um, as a type of putting him down, as if you shouldn't be asking about it. A kardasha be dafger el moishet toras avkiva stal kusay. A kardeshbar purposely showed him for some reason, uke de legalos lo mehusos shav avkiva. He wanted to on this, he wanted to show him wherever kiva comes in veheichim um, itzdarf a toras moishet. And where is it that he becomes part of moishet avenus torah? Now um, <coughs> let's. Uh, um, just a, a point here. In other words, like this. We're not talking about curious people here. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu is curious. And there's another piece of the Gemara that I didn't quote here. And maybe he'll quote it later. But 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 the Gemara says, I got, he heard of say, and all this is from Moshe, And then he was calm. He was very, he thought, something is wrong that there's a Torah I haven't received, and, and uh, you heard Rabbi Kiva say all this comes from Moshe Messina. Moshe Rabbeinu is the giver of Torah to call Yisrael. And a Torah that's not incorporated in some degree, in Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah, is not Torah's Moshe. And um, if I have a, a profound insight, and it's not Torah true, it's not Torah. Um, when it says in, the, in Chazal that Moshe Rabbeinu received everything that any good Talmud, Moshe Rabbeinu received all of Torah plus anything that a, an appropriate student of Torah will expound, it doesn't necessarily mean that he knew every say that, <coughs> that would ever be written. What it means is, it Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah was complete enough, just like if a, if a scientist comes up with a theory that's right, it will anticipate any subcategory, any special category in the original equation. If, you, if a, great, a great insight means that I have the general picture in a way that will, be, that will prove itself true in case I didn't think about <coughs> So, Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah needs to incorporate every chelik of Torah. There's not going to be a chelik of Torah that wasn't given through him. Some of it is overt, some of it's implied, some of it's expanded, and some of it's hidden inside. But it's all there. So he says, um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered him, not pushing him off and saying that you shouldn't be asking the question or or whatever. What Akadosh Baruch was telling him is this is a part of Torah that belongs to the world of shtika, of quiet. And we'll we'll, we'll, we'll develop it a little soon, but just the the word shtok means you're in the wrong mode. You're in AM, you should be in FM. You're in FM, you should be on mute. There is a, a part of Torah that's called shtok and this is where Rabbi Kiva, his Torah, and his life belong. Um, it belongs to a world of Machshava which is above the Machshava that we have in this world. And um, just like HaGosh Stoke in the first part, we also have Stoke in the second part. Okay. So he's going to um, flush it out a little bit by quoting the Nefesh HaChayim. was a sefer written by the Go'on's biggest Talmud. It was the Reb Chaim V'lazin. This was the Go'on's Talmud. It was a sefer written in the 1800s. In many ways, as a rebuttal or as an argument against some of the ideas that Hasidim had brought into the world, today we live of both Svarim, we live of Neveshheim and the Tanya. We don't. We see the the, the 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 argumentation we see as part of Torah. In, in the older days, it probably was a little more sharp than that. But the Neveshheim is a work that sketches out some of the basic understandings of Torah, using Kabbalah as a backdrop, the way that the Tanya does. The Tanya comes out with some of his points. Nefshachayim takes issue with three or four of those points. Today, we see both sides, and we don't see that it's a real machlok, because most people, most people that have one of the Tzfarim has the other one as well. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's, it's something that, Baruch Hashem, we was to the Torah of everybody. Um, but it was a safer that tried to sketch out in a basic way some basic Yesodiatora Torah drawn somewhat from Kabbalah and true to the Goh'on's derech as opposed to the Chesidim's derech. But this, these are the, the things that he's saying here are international. They're not, they're, not, they're not proprietary to him. This is across the board. He says, Sheyeshnem gimel has three levels of revelation to us. Kineged, Machshava, dibo, and Maisa. This is again, this is the that Tanya starts to say for with it. There, oh no, these are not these enough points that are that are argued about. This is a person can function on three strata. There is doing things in this world, there is speech, which we'll get to soon, and there's thought. These are these are three levels. And it's not only that everything starts at thought and becomes speech and, and then becomes action, but actually, these are things that are, um, what's the right word to put it? Some parts of Torah and Akash revelation are to one or the other. That's what he says here. <laughs> the things that Kashbok revealed in Machshava, we don't have anything in this world that interacts with it let's let's describe this let's let's flesh it out in words that we can really understand A persons in this world activities are things that are Animals are also active. They act, they do. When we want to put our stamp on the world around us, we do it with maise. So maise is the way in which we act on that which is inferior to us. We, we, we cultivate the world, we, 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 we change the world, we, we, we plow the field, we, we, we take out the crops... We take trumas and maestras. The world of activity is our imposing ourselves on the world beneath us. Speech is us. Speech is when a person says, I want to express myself. When a person can do many good deeds. You know, you see sometimes at a dinner, and and it's not... A person does many good, wonderful things, and he's proud of it. But when he gets up and says a few words about it a lot of times he feels that's himself, that's realizing yourself. Being able to express yourself is a realization of self. So speech is sort of the madrega where we're at. As far as Machshava goes, let's understand the difference. It's a term the morale uses in many places. The morale uses, he says, Seichel comes in the form of Seichel Hadibri and Seichel Hayuni. When, when I think of an idea, um, I have a problem in front of me, and a solution is beginning to come up. That solution is, starts as a very amorphous sort of sense, and slowly it begins to take on shape until I can actually define it for myself, give it words, and express it. In other words, ideas and thoughts that can be articulated have reached the final form of thought. Once I have it down and articulate it way I want to, that's it. And that's my idea and this is what I have in mind. Thought is really the beginning process where things are beginning to shape but they're not actually... I don't even have... I can't even express it. I certainly can't express it in words. But even for myself, if I need to give it parameters and describe it, I'm at a loss. I can't do it. So I have the, the... the So there are three levels at which I function. That I have, let's put it this way, three levels that I can act with. The world of activity is me on the lower. I act on that which is under my dominion, which, which I obviously can't act against something that's higher than me, that's beyond me. So any activity, any part of Torah that is activity prone means that, that it's, I'm acting on, on, on that which is beneath it. Those things, those thoughts and ideas that I can articulate and define and describe is me as a person. This is the seichel and the das of a person at the place where he's comfortable with it and feels that he he understands the idea and has it, that's called dibur. And in many senses, that's why Adam is defined as madabur, because that's me at my best, really. That thought process, which can sort of start at a point that's beyond me, at the point that I can feel something, but I can't put it in words yet, I'm groping at something beyond me. The, sen- the fact that I can feel it means I can grope. I can, I can get a, a, some sense of it. But until it hasn't come into words, it's not there yet. So a person exists on three strata, on Machshav <clears throat> <clears throat> <on clears throat> de there's There's vodas Hashem with all three of them. And, and uh, we're going to see soon about Torah itself. Umavu <clears> Hashem, <throat> it's this third line of that paragraph. She-Machshavah Yabchina Shal-Lamay Machshava belongs to something beyond this world. The gilu ytechseidem al And there is no real way in which it has defined itself within the world. In other words, things that I can describe are described with elements of this world. I, I, if I try to describe an idea that's new, I need the words that exist already. I can't, I can't create a new language to describe my ideas. So I'm taking the, the things that exist here, and, and I'm, it's sort of, every description is like a marshal I'm using words that, that exist, and ideas that exist, and terminology that exists, and, and, and elements that exist, and are visible, and translate my idea into it. But machshava um, is beyond that. The It doesn't have a way to reveal itself as long as it's that level. The illuprinas dibur here madrigas shabonak hayomim. Dibur is where we're holding. He says, the hinei says, "Masei Yeshlonu befall mikoa'ch kabalus Moshe Abenu." He apchinas Torah The mainstay of Moshe Abenu's Torah is the words of the Torah. Elo advar maseh dibur Moshe. The words of Torah are words, and that's what we have. So he says, um, the word Dibur in Lashon Kodesh in Hebrew is the same as dover because when I speak, I've met, the word dover means an entity and debur means a speech. In other words, when I speak, I've concretized something, and, it, and, it, and it's a real entity. The, the extraordinary wonder of Torah is that ideas that are really divine have words. And if I say the words, I'm expressing a truth, even though the truth in its root is beyond us. so it becomes part of our understanding. Or, Ora Torah, the light of Torah itself, hilamala mevsharos shall be to you. It's beyond the expression. Vehave besod orin sov. It's part of that infinite part. Umemelu lo yitachnet sen The ultimate roots of Torah can't be brought into words, and they can't be expressed. Vedar gazu ipchinas Torah shol machshava ashenyonu hu delekas mechetim tzlavatim sagelach kutzaklau. And this is called the Torah of Machshava, which means we don't have any way of expressing it. That's the that is the um, the Dev Shachai. L- Let me give. Let's give a certain description of something, which is which would be parallel, and we'll have a better way of understanding it. Imagine somebody is taking a course in mechanics. Somebody wants to learn how to fix cars. Um, one would feel. That every single part of the car and and how it runs and all the pieces should be should 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 be able to be described very clearly. And this piece fits into this. This piece fits into this. This turns this. This turns that. This breaks this. This breaks that. And that's how it works. One one would expect that to be like that because. Um, we're talking about things. We're talking about, about pieces. There, there's nothing. There's nothing in a car but the pieces that make the car, and they fit together. And one turns, one wheel turns the other wheel, and that's how it works. That's how. That's that would be a lecture in in comic hacks. Let's say somebody's teaching a course in art appreciation, music art. So, if you can't express it in words so then, then you wouldn't be able to lecture on it. But one would assume that even someone who sits through all the lectures and is even able to spit them back, but unless he has a sense of, of art or of music that you can't communicate in words, he really doesn't get it. The person who can just rehash the stuff, it, it, all the words in the world Will not be the sense of aesthetics because the sense of aesthetics really at some level doesn't lend itself to words. And so I can direct a person, I can teach a person art appreciation, but the real appreciation of art lies somewhere beyond those words. That would be a, a, a good description of what we're talking about. Torah itself, there's a level at which it takes on words. And as such, we have it. We have it in the Torah. Those are the words that Kodesh gave us, and, and they express the truth. But there's a beyond those words that some of it is waiting to be put into words, and some of it can never be put in words. Now let's skip to the next paragraph. The advantage of Rabbi Roosevelt is mean, he knows when to drink the water during this. He's got a clear division. I have to figure out when it's uh, after to drink it, so I'm stuck. The first, The first step towards understanding the Torah that's not yet in words, but will be in words, is Torah The Torah that we have in the Sefer Torah are words, exact precise words as the Kodesh crafted them to be true as they stand. Between those words, between those psukim, there are contradictions, questions, issues that, um, that when they resolve themselves, there's, there's more hidden by implication. Torah Shabalper works best by implication. Sometimes it's an extra word, an extra letter, a missing idea, a contradictory phrase. So the Torah Sheval Peh is the first step in a Torah that starts from the beyond the words and wends its way into words. Torah Sheval Peh, the words are not as solid as Torah Sav. They don't have that same mark. They, you weren't allowed to write down those words. You had to, it, it had to be more paraphrasing than quote, and, and except for once, Rabbi Akiva decided to put it down because people were just forgetting it, getting it wrong. And then Ravashi, but but it wasn't given to be frozen words as much as ideas and understandings. Rabbi was the master of Torah, Torah Shavu'ah. Starts with Rabbi He's seen as being the heart and the neshama of Torah Various boy come upon Avla Torah Shavu'ah. Torah that's hidden yet is revealed by Rekiva through the process of the Torah we have, the Mishnahis, the Gemara, and every Sefer ever written afterwards. Torah had it been just left up to Moshe's Torah, which is the Torah Shebek Sav, we, we, we couldn't figure it out. It's only by implication. It's, it's not visible. The before the Churban of, of the Ba'is Rishon, we did not have Torah Shebek in the format we have it today. Besden would pass in every time by looking at the Torah and having the Mesorah and passing it. It wasn't developed yet. But once there was the Chorban, it started developing because we needed to start drawing. No longer would a Navi come and tell us instructions. We need to start drawing from Torah. Next paragraph. Vehineh, just like Kederech Shadeh Rakeven is Olam Ba'olom Kinesh Tosh HaVal Peh Kach His death was the, the final it, 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 the final brick in that edifice, so to speak. It was a certain revelation to Archibald Pet. So, so let me f- explain what he said here, and then we'll be able to um, to, to go further. Um Rebbe Kiva to Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah represented the part that hasn't been said yet when Moshe Rabbeinu and that's what Akadosh Baruch Hu meant that's what he's saying here when Moshe Rabbeinu said Akadosh Baruch Hu, told Akadosh Baruch Hu, why isn't Rebbe Kiva giving my Torah he told him Shtok this is Rebbe Kiva's Torah belongs to the world of the unspoken Torah that has to be revealed these are two separate areas you, you and Rebbe Kiva are not interchangeable Your role is the Torah that is clear. Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah is very specific. Every letter and every word is specific. Rebekah Kiva belongs to the world that's called shtok. In other words, I don't... You ask me about Rebekah Kiva? That's a world where words will not explain it. And the same thing is true about Rebbe Kiva's p'tira. The death of Rebekah Kiva is not understood as an accident. It's not understood as just, well, a mysterious nefesh. Rebekah Kiva's life and death go together. And just like Rebekah Kiva, Rabbi Kiva's life belongs to a world that doesn't express itself in words, Rebekah Kiva's death also belongs. Not express itself in words means we cannot formulate ideas we can't the word formulate we we, we 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 cannot concretize any understanding of it because it belongs to that world of Shtika. so reba kiva is the root of another part of Torah that belongs in Shtika. and that's and that's where and, and that's where and that's where his Torah is from <laughs> and that's where the person is from. Um, that's what that's why Kaspro Tom Stoke twice. In other words neither Rebbe Kiva his, neither of Kiva's Torah nor of Kiva the person it, 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 have are part of this world where words describe and so on. I want to add uh, an, another point that isn't said here that he doesn't state but I think it, it falls very much in, into what he's saying Rubakiva's Kiva's life Moshe Rabbeinu when he was born the house lit up you know she couldn't hide him because it was all aura. Kiva, Moshe Rabbeinu was apparently, he, it was apparent from the first moment of his life that he's great, and that, and that he's destined for greatness, and, and that's what Moshe is. Rebbe Kiva was, for 40 years of his life, his first 40 years of his life, was a nobody, a nitwit, really. I mean, he, he, he was a peasant, and in, in the full sense of the word, the, the, you know, he, he was a peasant all the way through, no no understanding, no righteousness. Nothing special about it. And in him was hidden the person whose Torah would be our Shas. So, I mean, that's an incredible act of, of taking nothingness, of taking stika and making words out of it. You, one couldn't find a, a greater example of it. So his life and death and his teachings belong to that world. And Akarish Baruch Hu was teaching Moshe, about this sh- uh, shto. One more point, that this is sort of what, he, what he's saying, obviously, also. Torah has different parts to it. And those, and, and they help us in getting at some sense of the deeper meaning of, of the depth of Torah. Let's take, the letters, the physical letters are um, are there. That's not hidden. That's there. The, tra- the, 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 the nikud we don't have the Torah Nikud, we have a Masurus fit. And it could mean many different things without the Masurus. The TROP are definitely hidden, and the TROP can make many times a difference in the meaning, because the TROP are there to help us parse the paragraphs. The paragraphs are given as part of the written Torah. There we have in the Torah, we have paragraphs. We have psuchas and stumas, that's it. Where a sentence begins and where a sentence ends makes all the difference in what it means. And that's not in the Torah. The, the, um, those are parts of the Torah that are more hidden, but they can, once I explain to you where you're passing the sentence, once I explain to you why the Torah uses a strange word, and so on, those are all elements that can then fall into the deeper. The, um, the, those, those things on top of the Torah, those tagging, those little crowns, are st- even, I can tell you, this, these crowns mean the following. It doesn't become any more apparent after you tell me than before you tell me. The other parts of Torah, once I understand why a certain word is used in a certain context, ah, yeah, it makes sense. I, you know, I may not understand it first, but once you tell it to me, it snaps in and it makes sense. The tagging on top of Torah, on top of the letters, are really, really kind of, um, even after you tell me, I don't see it. It never finds its way to, oh, now I understand why these three lines on top of the ice will we'll, 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 we'll allude to this or that. It never, ever crosses that boundary. So that chaluk of Torah is called shtok, and Rebbe Kiva was the one who was tying these crowns to the letters. So, okay, Let's go back. I'm going to, um, you know, it goes on a lot with a lot of very, very fascinating points. I, I want to go back to our points that so we can at least understand um, understand our original points that we started with. Let's go back to the example of the art appreciation. So I'm going to be, what, what do I want to do if I'm, if I'm teaching somebody to be an artist, to appreciate art, to develop a sense of aesthetics and so on? So um, the first thing is the person needs some innate talent. If the person doesn't have any talent, you, you can teach today till tomorrow, it's not going to go. I, I can teach a person how to screw on a thing onto a, onto a... I can teach a person mechanics if he has no talent. He may get it wrong, but the idea of it is not alien. So if I, if I knock it into his head, this screw goes into here. So if once he does it, it's the the screw and the cap and and, and, and will, will fit there's no there's nothing hidden whatsoever. But if a person doesn't have any innate sense for being able to understand things that are finer, a person has no aesthetic sense, it's not going any place. Two I then do teach him there are words. I can teach symmetry, I can teach colors, I can teach. Um, dimensions. I can teach perspective. There's things that I can teach. The purpose of those teachings are not that I'm teaching him art per se, but I'm trying to awaken a sense. What I really am trying to do is to get him to be able to have that sense about things that I couldn't describe to him. So that just like when I look at something and I say, aha, aha, and that's it. I can't explain it further than that. Um, I want to awaken that sense in him as well, and I either succeed in doing it or don't succeed in doing it. But that's all I could possibly ever do. Torah has in itself that same dimension, and that's why the real soul of Torah is not a particular work. It's not a particular um, sefer. It's not a particular teaching. It's nothing that can be taught directly. And that's why it's called Sot. It's something that by its nature, it is beyond the words and the terms I would be using. What I do need is, I need someone who um, I feel is a Chacham, he's wise, somebody who understands who can potentially understand if I awaken that feeling for him. So, like the Mishnah says, we're going back to the Mishnah. I teach him Roshe Prakim. What I'm te- just like when I teach you art, I'm never teaching you art, I'm teaching you the outline of it. I'm sort of giving you the sense of it, but 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 the real sense of art is the real feeling of it is is. Intangible, inexpressible, really. So I'm teaching you that part, and I need to think beyond it in order to um, to get to it. So it needs a person who has in himself, he's a Chacham, he understands for himself, and if I would and all I can teach him is Rashi Prakim and try to awaken, he should understand so this whole chelik of Torah, we're talking about another part of Torah. We're not talking about another part of Torah that is equivalent in any way to any parts of the Torah that we have. We're talking about, in Torah itself, there's one part, the same parallels. There's Maisa. Olama ma'isa in Torah is Halacha. Halacha ma'isa. What do I do? What can I? What can I cook? What can't I cook? How can I cook enough? That of Torah, that halacha lemaisa, is equivalent to the world to the, to the to the strat of mice in a person. What is the right thing for a person to do in the world around him? The second level of Torah, which we call more, I guess Torah le-shmo in a sense, is what we call divrei Torah. Torah itself is La la'sok bedivrei Torah. The word kore, people make a mistake because one of our problems with translating is we don't, the, the English doesn't translate accurately. Haya kore betore doesn't mean reading in the sense in, in, in the most common English. When we talk about reading, we talk about somebody who is not talking, but his eyes are going back and forth. The, 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 the stem sense of the word, the default setting of the word kore in aloha is to read out loud. Um, reading that, what's called reading in English is it's rarely, if ever, called Kore. Kore but Torah means he was reading in the sense, like it says in the sitter, the reader and, and 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 the you know and the and the community. That's that's the Kore. Torah is where Torah is taking the, the ideas that Hashem gave us and and bringing them down, clearly defining, articulating, and so on. One of the reasons why. Um, one of the reasons why in yeshivas we focus on mesechtis that are not so relevant in the, ch- well, it, uh, it really depends which yeshiva. The Hasidic yeshivas have traditionally followed a very Lemaisa curriculum. They learn Brochus and Shabbos and Chulim. Those are the three-stack. Those are the three-stack uh, gemaras that they'll learn, Shabbos, and for good reason, because it's very practical and it helps you get the halacha down. The litvish yeshivas have traditionally had a more... Um, a, a, a curriculum directed much more at the principles of, of, of Torah. those are all mesechtes where we try to get the, the boys to focus on the ideas and the principles to, to, to sharpen the definition and categorization. That's what Torah is about, and that's why it's called diburim, and that's why it's called Dvarim And divrei Torah are the, the, the sort of the midpiece and the main piece of learning. And finally, we have. A higher part of Torah which is nothing that can be that 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 can be spoken really it's it's a depth of Torah that a person can have a sense of something and and but really if it can be if it can be packaged and and explained it's missing and, and again we're talking obviously many levels i you know it's not one thing it's it's talking about levels there's a level in, in Torah where a person needs to think about it, and if he's directed appropriately, if 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 he's if he's given some sense of where it goes to, it's possible for him to understand it. This is the highest part of Torah. This is what's called sod. So if we're to try to ask ourselves, and whether it's his yard side or not, whether it's the day that he was that it was something special about Rosh Hashanah, it's his day. But Reb Torah is an integral part of Torah. The Vilna Gaon's most of his Torah is on The Rizal, the Beis Yosef who wrote the was also a Kabbalist. It's, 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 it's a part and parcel of, of, the, of, of, of it's, it's the inner sanctum of Torah. But the inner sanctum is not words, and it's something that um, I guess in today's age, where and especially in the States, where words. and and speech, a kind of uh, the... That that seems to be the focus. But there are things that can't be explained but need to be understood. There are things that you need to think about and live with a certain inner understanding. It means taking something that you you feel you can understand something but it's, it's a step beyond. And I'm not talking about anything mystical. I'm talking in Torah, in the understanding of Torah. In, 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 it's, the, the real part, this part of Torah is a part of an inner understanding. It's a dimension of, 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 of Torah. It's a dimension of a person. Um, I guess we should be Zohar, you know, Torah is our heart neshama. Uh, we certainly try hard to understand the Torah, what we're supposed to do. We certainly engage in Talmud Torah Lishma in the sense that we're learning just to develop the ideas, and understandings, and the words of Torah. That's very important. And it's important to understand that there's another part of Torah that requires a lot of thought and fewer words. And it's personal in some ways. And it's something where if a person has learned over a long enough time and and is directed, then then what follows, the, the, the intuitions that he has, the sense of things that he has, they may be his, but they're part of the emiss of, of, the, of the Torah, of, of the Padim of Torah. <laughs> we'll have